Would you turn in your word to the book of Hebrews chapter 12? So, so since I didn't get, I, I sort of did get to do it, but uh, we're not going to take the whole service. We're going to talk, we're going to talk about the word. And specifically, I am happy all the time. This is number six. You go, there, there's not that many ways to be happy. Uh, there's six million ways that we could uh, explore that. But number one, the main reason, the main uh, support for us being happy all the time is that we have one Lord. We have one master. It just doesn't work different than that. You can have money. You can have power. You can have influence. You can have a beautiful husband or, I mean, a beautiful wife or a handsome husband or, or all those things that seem to be the output or the result of happiness and not be happy at all. Did y'all ever hear about people that had money and had be handsome husbands and beautiful wives and, uh, 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 and they're not happy? And yet we might not have much power in the natural sense or much finances in the natural sense. But I'm the happiest. I tell you, you're going to have to fight me to be the happiest guy on the planet because I made Jesus Lord and he's made my life wonderful. And they, it is, if you want to know how to be happy, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things that make us happy will be added to us. And it just can't be different than that. In Hebrews chapter 12, look what it says in verse 1 and 2. It says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about, surrounded about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin with so, which so easily doth, so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is bef set before us. So the point here is, is run the race. Whatever it takes, run the race. Well, I've got this and I've got that, and this is a, I've got children and I need to raise them, and I've got a, uh, a wife and I need to take care of her, and we've got to pay the mortgage, and yeah, we, all those things are normal to life. But he said, it doesn't matter. There's weights and sins. And then he said, the way to do it is to looking unto Jesus. He is the standard. He's the standard. There's no American ideal. Aren't you glad we're Americans? Thank God I'm an American. But we would have prosperity no matter where we were. And we would be happy no matter we were. Under any dictator or evil ruler, we would, we would be happy because we made Jesus the Lord of our life. Amen. So he said, looking unto Jesus. This is how he's talking about running the race. The author and finisher of our faith. And I want you to look at that thing there next. Who for the joy that was set before him endured. Who for the joy that was set before him endured. So uh, the word says that if you want to be happy, you got to run your race. Now, this won't be real popular, but uh, we, we're not after popular. Uh, I like what Dr. Cole said one time. He said, we minister for results, not for reaction. So it doesn't really matter if anybody likes it or is excited about it or happy, so long as the result is right. That's how we parent. We don't parent with our kids being our friend and, you know, you don't have to eat your green beans. So let's have ice cream. We minister for results even if they throw a fit or whatever and you have to put them in timeout or just tear a piece off that back part of their body, however you, however you parent, hallelujah. 
the New Living says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight and that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And we could talk about that for a long time, the sin. Because we all have strengths, then there might be some weaknesses somewhere. And you know how we say it is, a, a one-inch square screen door on a submarine sends it to the bottom. And he said, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Let's say that together first person. The race God has set before me. Let's do it again. The race that God has set before me. So we're always praying out the plan, aren't we? We're always shaking out mysteries to see what's in it for us. The good life, the happy life that God's prepared. Now, you could have that same life and not be right inside and not be happy. Or you could have that happy life inside and be in a hard place. But boy, it works out. It shakes out that when you make Jesus Lord, you get happy. Yeah. You'll give your life for it. Amen. So the race that God has set before us, and here it is. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. The champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Now, here's, here's the point. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. Now, I want to jump forward and make my point at the end. Because of the, because of the joy awaiting me or you enduring my race. Every one of us has a race. It overlaps. It's the same in so many ways. But it's peculiar and specific and unique in so many other ways. And he said, there's joy in running your race. Which the implication in the context here says, if you're not running your race that he set before you, you're not happy all the time. You're trying to be like somebody else. You're trying to do something that society and culture has said, this will make you happy. Uh, it's spurning things like church and laws and, and rigor that we say those things keep me from being happy and we'd all be wrong about all of that. The race that's set before you, running it, stripping off everything that keeps you from running it the best that you are able is what makes you happy all the time. Amen? So it, that's, that's a secret. It's a mystery. It's hidden. Nobody knows that. They think it's an option. They think it's just something that you do if you get time left over. It's what you ought to do. It's your duty. It's it's what good Christian people do is they help out. But that's not the context here of this scripture. He said, let us run the race that God has set before us. That's pretty powerful. We know in Corinthians, it says that the Lord has set the members in the body severally as it is pleased him. So he, if, if he set us in the body as, it, as he liked it, maybe he set us with a particular race or a particular course in our life that has also pleased him. And if we're pleasing us, we'll do what we want to do. We'll do it when we want to do it or we'll not do it at all. But if we're pleasing him, we'll be there saying, yes, sir, I'm ready. Here am I, send me. It's a message that's fraught with pushback. But it's the truth. And when we know the truth, the truth will set us free. I looked up the word, the joy, the joy that is set before him. Because then we went on and said he endured the cross. 
despising the shame, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Well, that was his course, wasn't it? He ran his race to be on the cross. He endured the shame of it, but he was happy in it. I said he was happy in doing his job. Well, I can be happy doing my job. Now, most people, a lot of Christians, a lot of Christians are too busy to first find their course, their race, and then secondly, to do it with excellence. It's like I'll hit at it when I can, but I'm busy and I got my job and I got my kids and I got, I'm trying to pay off this and that. And all these things that are weights and even sins that keep us from pursuing winning our race. I must win my race. I must finish my course. And we say, you know, do what only you can do so that you will do all that God has called you to do. So if we don't peel off weights and sins, we're going to be messing around. We're going to be messing around. And if you, if you uh, don't believe in the rapture or something like that, believe in it that the word says it's appointed once unto man to die. I think I got that backwards. But anyway, everybody dies except the exception generation. I believe we are the exception generation that will never die. But either way, there is a limited amount of time and energy, as it were, capacity to run your race. And if you wait until you're retired and saying, ah, we're going to get a camper and me and mom are going to go run our race. There could be some flawed thinking in that. <laughs> uh, I can tell you getting older is a real surprise. It's a real surprise because when you're, when you're real young or whatever that is, the relative term, you think, what is wrong with these old people? Why don't they get up and go and do and have and be and all that stuff? It's like, what? What do you mean this is how it is? And so we, we have to have a revelation, a wisdom, a mind of Christ working in us at a young age. Because if you wait for old man, old woman wisdom, you can't do it. You can't do it well. You can't do it with joy. You're just catching up. Because you messed around, you wasted your life, you uh, squandered your life. Well, I don't want to do that. But the good news is, the word says, if you'll do that, you'll be the happiest that you've ever been. There's nothing else that'll take the place of doing your job, running your race, finish your course, you'll be the happiest person on the planet. Now that's the paradox. It's right in there, we'll give and it shall be given to you. Lay down your life and you'll be raised up and exalted. All sorts of things that are anomalies in the word that are backwards to American thinking, worldly thinking, that are true nonetheless. So I'm going to say I'm happy all the time running my race and finishing my course. Now, once you believe that, once you engage that, you're going to start peeling off some stuff that is fun, that's good, that's traditional, that's cultural, that's uh, uh, just a part of who you have always been, but that you're not really happy doing. I mean, if you just stop and get quiet for an hour and just say, am I really happy? Is, uh, is, is having all this money or the pursuit of it or having this power or the pursuit of it? Is it really paying off or is it just what we do as Americans and do as people? And if we were honest, we'd say, you know, that's not happening. It's not that. So uh, Psalm 75, would you turn there with me? Psalm 75, way back, practically right in the middle of the Bible. 
I am happy all the time finding my increase. We could say it that way. Finding my increase. Finding my increase. Not as the world finds it, but as the kingdom has it. It says in chapter 75, verse 6, For promotion cometh neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. But God is the judge. So it must mean it comes from the north. And the Bible tells us in three places, I believe, that heaven is in the north. So he says, but God is the judge. He putteth down one, he humbles one, and setteth up or promotes another. So promotion, increase, happiness comes from the Lord. You go, okay, we'll just start doing that. But it's the hardest thing you've ever done is to switch systems and derive your happiness from the kingdom of heaven. Because we have dopamine and brain cells and whatever else that works. I have no idea, really. But we have pleasure sensors, and we like those pleasure sensors. We like ice cream. Deborah Ann and I had a, a bowl of uh, chocolate chip yesterday, bluebell chocolate chip. And I'm telling you, the dopamine was flowing. <laughs> I know none of y'all like that stuff, but it's, it's one of my last vestiges of... Uh, of worldly pleasure. Hallelujah. So increase comes from the Lord, not from the world. Did you hear what the word says? It comes from the Lord. So seek ye first the kingdom is opening the door to the Lord. He said, then I'll make you happy. I'll give you everything you could chase and you'll be happy in it. John 10, 10 says, I've come that you might have life, a good life, a happy life. A happy life. You, you, you're not going to, I've come that you have abundant life. It's not going to be unhappy life. Then in Matthew 25, 21, he says, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make you happy. I'll give you mastery over all things. Do y'all see that? I'll give you mastery. If you'll make me Lord... If you'll, if you'll submit to my, my plan for your life, the race, the course, the, the assignment, the blueprint, the strategy, I will, I will make you the happiest fellow on the planet. It's like, that's hard to believe. Well, it is not for the weak-faced. It's not for the uh, weak-minded. But it's for us. Hallelujah. Turn with me, if you would, to Mark chapter 10. I, I'm not don't have many scriptures this morning, but I have a few to bring this out. You know, if I can't prove it with the word, then it's just an idea. Right. So we should prove it with the word. This is the story of the rich young ruler, so-called. It's not in the word that way, but we all know that's which that is. Uh, verse 17, rich and ruler in verse, uh, chapter 10, verse 17. When he was gone forth into the way, there came one running. How about that? He was running. And kneeled. This is a serious guy, isn't it? And asked him, good master. Well, there's a, we're pouring it on. We're running, we're kneeling, and we're honoring. What shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Uh, Jesus said in him, why callest thou me good? There is none good but one that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. He's speaking of the Ten Commandments there, isn't he? 
And he lists some of them. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor thy father and mother. And this man so boldly says, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. But you can tell here that he's asked, how can I be happy? I've done all this. I've done all that. Jesus beholding him loved him. Jesus beholding him loved him. So you know what's coming after Jesus beholding him loving him is good news. It doesn't say Jesus was, he was ticked off. He's going to let this guy have it. He told the Syrophoenician woman in so many words, I've come, but it's not for you. But he didn't tell this man that. He says, behold him, beholding him, loved him. So whatever comes after that, if he speaks, is good news. It's happy time. He said, one thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatever thou hast, give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come take up the cross and follow me. Serve me. Take up the cross. He wasn't talking about his cross. He was just talking about submitting yourselves, emptying out. And he was sad at that saying and went away grieved. Now, the next verse tells it all. For he had great possessions. So he'd already made many transitions, many changes in his life. To be a business person, which he was, he had many possessions. He had worked the system. Would y'all think that, that he had flowed with the economic society and that he had seen deals and invested in it and, and uh, saw bad deals and stayed away from it. He had changed things in his own personal life up to that point where he was willing for the goal to have great possessions. But when Jesus or when the Lord or when the kingdom came by and says, one thing you can change more. You've changed a gazillion things. You've got to this place because of your changing, your willingness to adjust. Can you adjust one more? And the man said, can't do it. If it comes from heaven, I can't do it. And herein is the challenge for all of us is to take counsel from God. Which means, believe this, as if Jesus said, I need two hours of your time. If you'd set two chairs out in the living room, Tell everybody else to go to the grocery store or the water park, and I'm going to talk to you for two hours. And I'm going to tell you how to run your life. I'm going to tell you what will make you happy. I'm going to tell you what will increase you, what will please me, and what will get you to heaven. Oh, man. We'd do anything. He already did it. Well, I need, I need more than that. No, you don't. If you need more than that, your Old Testament where you have to see things and you have to hear things and you have to feel things. And they, they weren't born again, so they couldn't know anything in their spirit. They couldn't know what was being said. They just had to deduce it, to figure it out, to, you know, eliminate this and eliminate that. It was the time of the fleece. If the fleece was wet, it meant yes. If it wasn't wet, when they put it out in the dew, then it was God saying this or God saying that. Aren't you glad we don't have to live that way? Aren't you glad we, we don't just have to have the, the anointing come on us? The anointing is in us. The word says in 1 John, ye have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. 
Everything is in the library. The other day, I, I'm constantly amazed how my little device, it doesn't weigh five ounces or six, I can just Google something that's, I mean, hidden. Something that you wouldn't say, everybody knows that. I, I mean, just obscure. And in 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, this thing is accessed. And that, that counts the time for it to go to the tower and go to the whatever and then come from that whatever, that computer, go to the tower and then come back to me. Three seconds or less. Now, that, anybody, anybody that wasn't used to that, anybody that wasn't the frog in the kettle that just got acclimated to it would be so blown away by that, they would say, that will never be. And yet we just expect it. Like, what's, what's wrong with this thing? Why, why is it taking six seconds? Must be a bad connection. Wi-Fi slow. And yet it's so amazing that Google knows. I forget what I was looking for. I'm always looking for something just so I'll know. Well, God knows. I said, the Lord knows. Yes. And we just, but we need to Google him. Or that's, that's heretical. That's not what I mean. But in the sense of our culture, we need to Google God and ask him some questions. Because he would be faster than a Google getting back to us on it. And it would be a sure word for our lives. So uh, the rich young ruler couldn't take God's counsel. This is important to know how we will take man's counsel. Get a financial advisor, get you someone, read you a book about how to raise kids. A diet plan, are you kidding? There's 10 gazillion books on diet and they're all over TV. Take this pill and take that pill and you'll grow into a cauliflower if you take enough of these and turn into a pumpkin if you take those. I mean, it's, you know, it's like, we have a needy world out there that they're trying to get. But Jesus simply said, get flexible. So say it with me to yourself. Hey, you, hey, you. Get, flexible. get flexible. Lay aside every weight and the sin that so that doth so easily beset you. I've decided in my life and at this time in my life, I need to decide some things. To not to question everything, not question the things of God, but the culture and the society and the time we live in that just says, this is the way we do it. This is the way you do it. This is when something happens. This is what you do. And I'm not always happy with the results. Neither are you. But we've accepted them. I said we've been acclimated. That that's the way it is. And so if we keep doing it the way it is, we're going to keep having it the way it is. And we need to change the way it is. Get flexible, Michael. Get flexible. Well, I don't need to pray in the Holy Ghost because I this and that. Or I don't need to read my Bible or, or, or whatever. It's okay, to, it's okay not to go to church. It's okay not to, this is important and all that. I'm not here to strain that out. I'm just saying we're all straining that out. It's not something anybody can answer except you. And if you want to move, I say this, you can go as fast as you want in the kingdom of God. I said you can go as fast as you're not happy with how fast it's happening. 
It's because we're distracted. Amen. Uh, Romans chapter 9. Let me read this in verse 20 to you. Talking about the rich young ruler. Nay, but O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to the thing to him that formed it? Why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the potter power over the clay? That's like saying, 1 Corinthians 6, ye are bought with a price, ye are not your own. You are, he wants to make you into what Kenneth Copeland called, you're just a mud pot. If he, if he doesn't make fine porcelain and fine whatever those guys do, then Kenneth Copeland said, you are just a mud pot. If you jump off the potter's wheel all the time before you're finished, before I'm finished, before he's finished with me. People say all the time, you've heard them say, God's not finished with me yet. But that's not true. God is finished with us. There's nothing left to happen. There's nothing left for him to do. There's not something he's working out. I have the mind of Christ. How about you? He's not working out anything in my mind. Well, he's just trying to help me think right. He's already given us the mind of Christ. It's down here. So you can point your, your Google mouse down here, I'm euphemistically speaking, rather than up here. Thank you, Lord. We watched a movie the other day or a show the other day about uh, an airport in Ecuador in uh, Bogota. And it was talking about all these people, these security officers that intercept these drugs and what they have to do and, and the, the pants that are on fire, these people just say, I don't know how it happened. <laughs> you know, I don't hack up my suitcases full of cocaine. I, I, I don't know. And it just, and I'm, I was sitting there watching saying kind of a test. Do you believe him? Because some of them were compelling, just compelling. I, it, I was leaving and my son-in-law said, hey, take this suitcase. And so he did. He just took his son-in-law's suitcase and it had a border. It was all packed out with cocaine. Enough of that. But uh, I was going, okay, all these individual cases, I'm trying to see which one I believe and which one is lying. Trying to see if there's any discernment in, in me at all. And some of them, they were innocent. They were clean. But others were just, they were mafia types. I forgot the story that I was telling that for. Hallelujah. Nay, but, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that is formed, Why hast thou made me thus? Hast thou not the, has not the potter power over the clay? So running your race, running my race, is not up to me. Now, I will, I will tell you about my own personal life. I don't share this much, but I will say that I was on track to be a, a farmer in West Texas that had everything. I was very smart in that, very, very committed, very energetic, had lots of energy, had a family that supported that. There's no reason that I wouldn't be a millionaire just like that. No reason, because I, everything was going my way. But then the Lord came by, like 
Elisha did to Elijah and threw his mantle on him and he said, come here, come here. And so I gave it all up. I'm so glad. I'm so glad I'm not that man out in West Texas. So here's the question. I'll be finished with this. Do you want to be happy all the time? That's what it amounts to. Or do you just want to keep going with life? You'll be happy. You'll have birthdays and they'll, they'll say happy 60th and happy 65 or whatever's in front of you. And they'll, all your sugars will come over and they'll say, Papa, you're the best. You're the greatest. We love you so much. And they'll give you some little present and you'll just treasure it and hang it up. And it's a, it's a portrait of, of crayon portrait that you will treasure. <laughs> Lines don't mean anything to those little ones and we don't care. So there's that life. Or do you want to be happy, really happy? Well, if you're a certain age, maybe any age, you're just like, I'm going to do the best I can. I don't want to fool around with finding the will of God and taking the chance that uh, it's not the will of God and giving my life. In other words, there's a certain amount of risk to going with God. Would you all agree with me? There's some certain amount of natural risk that will will not hear him or not follow through or that he won't follow through. And I understand that because when I came to Alabama, I thought we were going to do what we were sent for the first year. Yeah. Amen. So some people, I suppose, maybe we were those people one time that said, I want to be happy all the time. Well, what would that look like? Well, some people, it would look like traveling the world or having a lot of power or authority. Or maybe it's just sitting around on the couch eating ron-rons and not getting fat. Now, wouldn't that be a great life, sort of, not getting fat? That would be the part of it. But I, I came up with two people, two kinds of people uh, that fall into this genre of I want to be happy all the time. First of all, I'm going to say that they're not really hungry for God's plan. This wasn't the rich young ruler. He was hot. He wanted God's plan. He came and said, he ran, he kneeled, he honored, he was in. But there's a lot of people that are not wanting God's plan. Do you have family that think less of you than they should because you're hot after God? You're one of those Jesus people. I hope you do. I hope you're so hot they think you are. But the prodigal was happy until he came to himself. He was happy. His dad let him go, and his brother said, good riddance. And he was happy until one day he wasn't happy. And the word says he came to himself. So people that are not hungry, if there's enough time, they will come to themselves. And I'm telling you, just by faith, everybody in here has been, a, has been in the pig pen of some kind and came to yourself. It may not have been a pig pen. It may have just been you were in the corporate world or you were, you were doing, I was doing the Baptist thing. I was the next deacon on the roster to become promoted in, in my church. I was the next one. They all told me, you're next. We like you. I was teaching adult one men and, uh, and Debbie was the associate director of the adult department. Right. Where do you get those people? We were in line. 
And then suddenly we got the Holy Ghost and nothing was working with those people anymore. So, are you happy? Are you hungry? If you're not hungry, you're in the pig pen. Maybe not where the swine are. Maybe it's just where normal people are, bickerers and strife-filled and, and just contentious and unsatisfied and, and uh, gripers. Maybe you're with those people all the time and you've just become acclimated to it and it's like, that's the way life is. It's not the way life's supposed to be. We're supposed to be happy all the time. And the world can't make you happy. Or maybe you are hungry, number two, for God's plan, like the rich young ruler was. And uh, one thing thou lackest. Did y'all notice one thing? He was one thing away. I am fascinated by that, that verse that says, one thing thou lackest. Because I've been, I've, if he was, I've been one thing away. Just like, click this over, son. Just, just give up, surrender. Give it away. Throw the weight and the sin that so, so easily doth beset you. Just deal with it. And one thing thou lackest, you will have what the rich young ruler says, eternal life which is not really eternal life. That's wrong in the, in the scripture. It's not eternal life. It's life of the eternal. Because all, all life is going forever, isn't it? Yeah. In hell, in heaven, or whatever. So it's, that's not the meaning of it. He said, I, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full, have eternal life, the life of the eternal. So that's where we want to go. Are you happy this morning? Don't don't answer certainly, or have you come out of a time where you were hot and the fires cooled? You're just like it was highly overrated. I got real excited and real hot, but nobody else was, and nobody understood me, and they they pushed back, and and I got me and the Lord couldn't get it going, and nothing happened, and all that. I've been in Alabama 25 years, getting myself ready, like Moses on the backside, for the hour that's still, that's right here. So maybe a bad experience where you stuck a little toe in the water to see if it was cold or hot and you didn't like it and you drew it out and you stayed out. I'm going to exhort you to love and good works this morning that it's time to fire up. If you wait for feelings, you will never fire up. Feelings follow faith. So with no feelings, no corresponding action, nobody to encourage you, no one to say, I think you ought to. You just fired up and said, I'm going to be happy all the time. I'm going to get into my ministry. I'm going to chase it down. Oh, I'm waiting on pastor to tell me what it is. Well, bless your heart. My job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. My job is to tell you there is a job. And for you to go find it, you to get in your closet, you to say, I'm willing to peel off these weights and these sins. And then the Lord say, well, since you mentioned that, since uh, uh, he said the prodigal never got to that part. But since you said I'm willing to go where you want me to go and do what you want me to do, look at this. And suddenly he pulls back the curtain. A revelation comes. And you see the next step. You don't see the whole thing. 
That's scary. But you see the next thing, and that's wonderful. To have the Lord involved in your life and to encourage us, it's amazing. Well, he's encouraged everyone in here. Every person in here has given testimony to the goodness of God. We could say, does anybody have a, uh, an encouragement from the Lord this week where he, he encouraged you to keep going and to get happier and to, and to press in? That's what testimonies are. Is that right? And everybody in here has had one. Nothing was happening and suddenly the Lord showed up and it was happening. And I, it could be that he'll do it again a different way, a different day. Amen. I want to go one more scripture going back to Hebrews chapter 12. And I want to finish that scripture that we read in verse 1 and 2 and prove to you what the Lord wants out of you and me. Uh, on the one hand, he doesn't want anything much. But on the other hand, he wants everything. You all know what that means? He just wants your yes. He just wants your yes. He wants my yes. I've given him my yes many times. I've hesitated at other times. I've, I've hesitated and said, mm, I don't know if it's time, don't know if it's the right thing. Just hesitated. You know what it feels like when you get an idea or get a unction or a revelation or an inspiration. You get it and you go, I wonder what that would look like in my life. And then the devil comes or the flesh comes or, your, or condemnation comes and you talk yourself out of it. And you put it on the shelf, thinking if God wants this, he, he, can, he can tell me about it. And then we get clouded up. I believe this. I believe everybody in this room, myself included, has been through this change. And we end up not being happy. We end up being happy, but not happy. We have lots of times of happiness. Oh, my grandchildren's going to have his fourth birthday. We're all going over this afternoon. We're going to... We're going to rock and roll or whatever, you know, whatever, whatever floats your boat. And we, but then we have to come away from that and we're going, now I'm back in my world. It says in chapter 12 of Hebrews, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, what should we do? Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. Beset us. Beset us. Have you been beset? Jesus said, in the world you'll have besettings, doesn't he? And let, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Patience is a key word there, would you say? Let's get this thing over, Lord, because I got things to do, got fish to fry. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher, one translation says developer of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Now, there's a contradiction, seemingly. The joy set before him endured the cross. Nothing more horrific, nothing more devastating than the prospect of going to a crucifixion. They can't hurt you worse. They, they can't humiliate you more. You know, they, they, talk, they always show a picture of Jesus on the cross with a loincloth, but that wasn't happening. It was the ultimate humiliation. But he is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. I made it through. For consider him that endures such contradiction of sinners against himself. 
lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. He said, pay no attention to what people say. I said, he said, pay no attention to your surroundings. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. The shedding of blood. You, you, oh, they're mean to me and they don't approve and they're not supportive. And oh, you, had, you, you have no complaint until there's been shedding of blood. And even then, I don't know if you'd have a complaint. But. And, and ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as children. Now look, look, look. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord and faint not when thou art rebuked of him. Now you've got to be in position to be rebuked of the Lord. If, you, if you're not in the mood for it, it's not coming. Because then it'll be judgment. The word chasten there, I, we've looked at it, but it means tutelage. It means education, training, Instruction. Now, religion has made it hellfire. It got, it, they've made it cancer and made it where your kids are taken away. But that's not what chastisement is. All of us should have been chastised by our parents, and all of us should be chastising our children. Why? Uh, it says, uh, well, we'll go down to it. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. And scourgeth every son whom he received. Well, that's not the way we thought it was. God is, he is dedicated towards you and I running our race and finishing our course. We are, we are the Christ in the earth. When they see Christ in the earth, they're looking at you. And they want you to be a good demonstration. God wants you and I to be a good demonstration. How's that? I'm happy all the time. If anybody ever went to a funeral and said something nice about the boy that's in the casket, they said, you know, he was a happy camper. He just didn't gripe about anything. Isn't that what they say? Uh, verse 7, if ye endure chastening. The word endure means to stay under. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. Now, we could go there. We won't. But, you know, God dealing with you as a son is a good thing. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, that means if we reject the chastening of the Lord, the guidance, the tutelage, the instruction, the education, the training. If ye reject that. And be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. There's nothing worse. Ah, oh, I, I wish the Lord would give me cancer, and I guess I wish I, the Lord would send me to, to jail for years. All of it would be better than to be bastards before the Lord, to be outside of the family of God. Outside. Did you get that? Outside. If you're in the family, it's not just like, well, we're going to heaven. We're chastised as sons. We're trained, we're discipled, we're brought through. So there's going to be a word come. It'll be coming in the word, won't it? He'll chastise us in the word. Oh my, oh my, I'm convicted. It'll come from the pulpit. Not everybody likes the good news. 
Because a lot of it is chastisement. It's, it's putting boundaries on our life. And then also opening up the floodgates of heaven itself, days of heaven on earth. So he goes on. Verse 9, furthermore, so let me explain this a little more, he said, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us. The word corrected there is the word chastisement. The same word as, as above. And we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the father of spirits and live? Let's see where I'm going here. Verse 10. For they verily, talking about our, our earthly parents, for they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, their own ideas, their own way of raising but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now here's where I'm going. Verse 11. This is it. Get in your call, run your race, finish your course, because no chastening for the present seems to be joyous. Could I have a better amen there? Nobody likes to be shown that they've been going down the wrong way. No one wants to be corrected. I mean, wants to. I do. I mean, we all do, but... It's not pleasant. He said, uh, no chastening for the present seems to be joyous, but grievous. Wow. Nevertheless, say it with me. Nevertheless, the afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Now, I'll tell you what peaceable fruit of righteousness is. It's happy all the time. So it's not sitting on the couch eating ron-rons. It's not, it's not having your way, being the head of this and over, power over that, and I got money, I can do what I want to, and they'll do what I say. That's not it. It's, it's coming under subjection. And the Lord's saying, I know what's best. I'm going to make you so happy you didn't even know this could exist. Wow. It'll be days of heaven right now. Now, there's few men that have experienced that because we, we can't endure. We can't come under the chastening. But I welcome it. How many of y'all would say, I welcome the chastening, the instruction, the tutelage, the education, the discipline of the Lord? I, I, when, when, when I read a book or when I hear the, read the word or when I have pastor get up there and say something that is bodacious and it stings, I welcome it. Happy is on its way. Because the way I was going, that this word corrected, it was, it was destruction in some form. But now the Lord's guided me into the happy path. Me and Trace played Candyland the other day. He'd get close to the end. He'd say, I'm whooping you. I'm going to take you down. And then he would draw Frostina. Y'all know what the card Frostina is. It means you go back to the beginning or something like that. And I'd wax him. I just. <laughs> well, that's the way we all are. We, we think I'm doing pretty good. And then the Lord chastens us and sends us back to the molasses swamp. <laughs> I know all these terms. I'll play anybody in here. Hallelujah. I've been sharpened up on Candyland. The Lord knows best. The Lord knows best. 
Let me see what I had here. I remember. Preparation to run our race. That's what I wrote down. Preparation to run our race. We are running and we will run. I am running and I will run. So I don't even know what the next stage is. But it's good. And I've been corrected. Some things I thought, some things I believed, some people I trusted. No. I trusted them more than the Lord's what I'm saying. No. He was right. So you might, I might, we might take counsel here and say, Lord, chasten me. Teach me. Train me. I want to be a son. I want to be a son. And that's, that's what the word says that makes you a son is you receive instruction from the father. Oh, we don't like that instruction. That rich young ruler, he threw that down. He went away, ran to him, kneeled, called him Lord, and then walked away because he couldn't take the chastening of the Lord. Lord, we thank you that you're in a good mood. You're in a good mood with me. You're a, in a good mood with us. You're in a good mood with everybody. And so, Lord, you nudge us along. If we'll stay close, we won't need more than a nudge. But even if we go to the pig pen, Lord, you'll, you'll come to us and we'll come to ourselves. It'll be embarrassing. It'll be, it'll be revealing. This, this won't go easy, but we'll go back to Father's house. And you put the ring on our finger and the shoes on our feet. So we thank you, Lord. That's your plan. I agree with your plan. This morning, I adjust. I adjust. I say, I can't change me, Lord, but I can let you change me. And so I say yes to you. I say yes to you, Lord Jesus. I say yes to you. From this moment forth, I don't care who it's in, if it's in a man or a woman if it's in the child, if it's in the word, what, however you want to get to me to change me, I welcome it. And I, I even beseech you for it. Change me, Lord. I want to make every day count for you. And I thank you for the increase to be happy every day, happy all my life. Oh, God, then when I step over into heaven, it won't be any big deal. There won't be any big upgrade because I'm already as happy as I can be. What a glorious future, Lord. In Jesus' name, we, we yield, we submit, we come under. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, if I have a job, I think we all have a job, it's to, to uh, exhort you to love and good works. So I hope you've been exhorted this morning. Hallelujah. And when somebody trashes America... You don't have to defend it, but you don't have to take their stuff either. God loves America, and we're loving what God loves, and we're eschewing what God doesn't think much of. Keep that in your heart. I, whatever God's for, I'm for. And if he doesn't much care for it, I don't like it either. Amen. God bless.